My guest today is Reverend Dr. Jason Bray, an Anglican vicar in the Wrexham area, um, but he's also a deliverance minister. Did I get all that right? You did, yeah, thank you. Well, where, where does the doctor come in from? Okay, uh, doctor, I'm, uh, I've got a PhD in um, ah. Old Testament studies, okay. uh, as it happens. So, um, so no, no, I can't do anything for you other than, you know, um, yeah, something, something medical that happens to you. I can have a look at you and say, you need to get a real doctor to have a look at that. But other than that, I'm, I, no, I'm not qualified. What a waste! What a waste! Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> Listen, how did you? Yeah, well, well. well <laughs> <laughs> so the world needs GPs just at the moment, rather than, you know, deliverance ministers. Or you know, you know, maybe there's a call for both. But um, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. Give me some background into how you find yourself in the church. First of all, that's always a good place to start. Okay. Well, um, um, how did I end up in the church? Okay. Um, Sort of one of those families, you know, we'd yeah, we'd always gone to church as kids. Uh, we got sent by my rather fierce Argentine grandmother to church, so it was uh, it was something you did on Sunday morning. We, you know, we got sent off to Sunday school, and um, you know, something about it just caught my imagination, fired me up, and uh, so um, I found myself um, moving from that on to the progressed onto the church choir, and uh, where you know I made lots of friends. In fact, that's that's where I met my wife, actually, Laura. So we, we sang the church choir together. Uh, although the first time we met, you know, it wasn't um, you know it wasn't love at first sight. Um, but uh, but still, you know, actually, um, you know, that is how we met. Um, how I came to be ordained? Okay, um, I just got a sort of sense of calling. It, it, it felt like it was uh, there was a piece missing of my life, and that I needed to sort of. It was a bit like a sort of. Um, jigsaw puzzle that hasn't been completed and that I needed a, a piece that went in there so um for me being ordained becoming a priest was the thing that actually made the pattern complete uh, or at least made the uh, pattern discernible you know you could probably say that maybe the pattern still isn't complete but most of the pieces are there and that yeah. was the piece I needed um so um yeah I gosh you know did a whole load of academic things first um, did a PhD and then sort of was accepted to train for ordination um, and trained for ordination for a couple of years. I was a curate. Um, so a curate is basically what we call somebody who's a sort of um, uh, on-the-job trainer, what, you know, um, a sort of apprentice. So I was a curate in Abergavenny in South Wales and then moved on to work for a few years in the cathedral in Newport in South Wales uh, and then spent 13 years, actually, in a place called Blynabbin in the South Wales Valleys. Uh, and I've been in Wrexham for seven years now. Well done. Well done for staying. No, no, it's 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 great. I wouldn't do anything else actually at this stage. It's very strange. I couldn't wait to leave, but that was a long time ago. And okay, um, the, the reason maybe that's that, a conversation for another time. <laughs> hey, it was what the mid eighties in Wrexham. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of future going on. Okay, you know, the streets were paved with gold elsewhere, or not as nah. maybe. The question off the back of that is how. Let, 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 let's just elaborate. So a, a deliverance minister could also be termed more commonly or more well-known perhaps as an exorcist, should we say, for, okay. for the masses. But how, how did you, is it something you chose or did you get your name picked out of a hat? 
and go, oh, bloody hell. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, uh, how did I end up doing, doing Ministry of Deliverance? Sorry, my phone's just, I'm just desperately trying to turn it down. Uh, I suspect it's a family WhatsApp group going bananas. Okay, right, got rid of that. Um, yeah, um, okay, how did I get to be a deliverance minister? Well, um, when I was a curator in Albuquerque, uh, we lived in a house that was just a bit strange, really. Um, curates basically get, you know, well, actually all clergy get dumped in a house somewhere. Uh, and you get the house that goes with the job. Um, if you're a curate, um, obviously you're you're the apprentice and you just get the house that you're given you, you don't get very much choice and um, it was a sort of um, uh, it was one of those council houses that had been bought by the previous occupants and uh, it was a sort of um, immediate post-war built in 1946-47 and it was solidly extremely solidly built actually I, um, as I discovered um, I tried to put a load of shelves and discovered that the drill bit had actually melted because the uh, um, the brick was so hard you know even a masonry drill bit wasn't going <laughs> into this at all um, so really solid house and um, it was um, yeah and, and the house was cold so we arrived and the house was cold. And it was January and you think, actually, it's going to be cold. Uh, my predecessor, the uh, previous curate, had moved out, oh uh, gosh, um, about nine months before. And so, um, you know, nobody lived in the house. The heating had been on. It was cold. Fair enough. Okay. So, um, and uh, the prisoners very you know, very kindly actually decorated it for us. Um, so um, so they'd had the heating on then and we moved in and uh, moved in in, uh, well, end of June, basically. And it was still cold. And uh, we thought it's cold because it's, because it's just a cold house. And um, so uh, while we were there, um, our first son was born. He was born in the September. And um, so the house was still cold. And then we went into the window of the house. It was, it was always cold in the house. Um, the whole load of sort of slightly weird things about the house that um, if you sat on the stairs, there was a draft. And um, it was the days when, um, you know, you didn't have roving phones or something like that. It was physically plugged into the wall. Yep. Um, this is a world that most youngsters these days can't possibly, you know, can't, can't conceivably imagine. Yep. But, you know, you had to go to the phone and you had to pick it up there. And the obvious place to sit was at the bottom of the stairs. And you'd sit there and it was this whopping great truck that always came down the stairs. We thought we need to do something about this. So um, the traditional way of finding out where the draft is coming in is to go around with the candle. So went around the whole of the house. There was no draft coming in. You know, nowhere. The loft was sealed. Um, the you know, you know, sort of uh, central. Um, sorry, the um, UPVC. Um, you know, sort of double glazed things, uh, double glazed windows, nothing was, you know, you know, there was no column of air in there. But when you sat at the bottom of the stairs, there was, it was, there was a draft uh, coming down the stairs rather than going up anyway, whatever. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, my mother made a whole load of curtains just to sort of stop the draft going in front door. Maybe, uh, maybe it was the front door. We weren't convinced. And um, the house stayed cold, went into the winter, stayed cold. The house was always cold. We bled the radiators. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the radiators needed, ble you know, needed bleeding, and um, it was still cold. And the coldest room was our son's uh, our son's room. So it's a sort of standard three three bedroom semi. One of them was, um, you know, one of the bedrooms was above the front door, two external walls, and that was his, you know, that was his room. It was decorated for him. 
And um, it's a really nice room, actually. Uh, but it was always cold in there. It was colder in there than it was any, anywhere else. The radiator worked. Um, and um, so we just continued living in this cold house. And uh, a couple of things happened sort of um, the following summer, really. Um, so Tom's room was always cold. It was always colder by the door where his cot was rather than away from the door, which was odd. Um, and um, I went away for a couple of days and I came back and my wife said, actually, it was awful. I don't know what it was like. You, you know, you know, I don't know what was going on, but it was icy by his cot. Um, so I had to go and, you know, basically get him into bed with me because it was just so cold. Now, this was July uh, and I don't know what's going on with this house. And uh, around the same sort of time, I had um, a really strange experience. So I'd been to, um, you know, sort of reading, uh, reading in bed, got up, thought, yeah, I'll just get the loo first um, and then I'll settle down for the night. Got up, went to the loo, uh, standing there holding the bathroom door. And it felt like oh, I sort of almost saw somebody standing on the other side of the door. And a um, guy about my height, Stephanie Blake, uh, grey eyes, I could see sort of um, grey eyes, and what looked like a, a sort of sunburst mask, like this sort of wooden mask with these sort of eye slits in it, staring straight at me um, with a sort of appraisal hostility, whatever, um, really frightening experience. Um, opened the door, nothing there. You know, dived under the covers, and uh, Laura, my wife, said, "You know, what's going on with you? You, you? you look like you've seen a ghost." And I said, "I haven't actually seen anything, but there's something going on here." So um, I spoke to my boss. Um, so I was the the curate, basically the apprentice. Um, the uh, the vicar's the guy in charge. So a guy called Jeremy, and it was um, you know a couple of nights later, and I said something really going on, really weird going on in the house. And uh, to be fair to him, he took me seriously. So he didn't say, you're making it up. You tried bleeding the radiators. We had the so, boiler service, all that sort of thing. He said, no, that's fine. Yeah, um, I'll come around. And uh, so he came around and he came around with a little bag and there was some holy water in the bag and a whole load of other uh, bits and pieces. And uh, he said, um, yeah, come around. You know, do you want to come around with me? Yeah, I said, fine, I'll just, just see what you're doing. And um, so he wandered around. Uh, he wouldn't let me see what the prayers that he was using, which was a bit strange. Um, so to, to this day, I don't know what he used. I think some of them might have been in Latin as well. Yeah. And um, we got back to the main room of the house, said the Lord's Prayer together. And um, that was, you know, it was a beautiful sunny day. The sunlight was boring in and this house was cold and then suddenly it wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like, it, it was <clears throat> as it should have been. Um, so this was, um, you know, July, we'd got the heating on full blast, had to turn the heating off. Um, the, um, uh, you know, the thermostat was then turned down pretty much all the way. Uh, Tom's room, um, you know, was sort of sweetness and light, perfectly, you know, you know, sort of light and sunny and warm. And uh, there was no draft on the stairs anymore. So I thought, well, actually, yeah, there's probably something to this. Um, I was chatting to one of the church wardens. So they're the people who sort of, um, the um, you know, senior lay people, the senior, yes. you know, sort of um, uh, ordinary parishioners who go to church. And um, um, he said, do you like living in the house? I said, yeah, it's fine. Now, I don't know whether he knew anything that was going on. I, I would have been surprised if the vicar had told him, but 
you know, it was just maybe a random conversation. He said, okay, yeah. He said, interesting houses, those. Um, there had been a, uh, there was a Roman road that led out of town. And he said, well, actually, actually you know, you know they, they disturbed some Roman graves as they, as they build, um, as they build some of those houses up there. So he said, interesting history. Um, and, you know, I've always wondered whether something had been disturbed by actually, you know, the sort of, you know, graves had been disturbed or something like that. But it did seem quite strange. And whatever it was, he was. Um, he was targeting, you know, sort of my son. Um, and in a sense, you know, having that experience and, and sort of thinking, actually, we can do something about this. Um you know, I, I sort of slowly got into ministry of deliverance um, because that's most of what we do. Uh, most of what we do is actually dealing with um, effectively haunted houses and um, people who see stuff. Yeah. Um, rather than you, know, you, you, you describe me as the exorcist. Yeah, technically, um, we might actually be called <laughs> on to do that. Um, but that happens vanishingly rarely. Um, you know, and I can talk about that if you want yeah, as well. Yeah. well but by me... and large, most of the time we end up go, going around basically splashing holy water in people's houses, uh, saying some prayers, and most of the time, yeah, peace, calm, warmth, light is restored. But let, let me dig into how how long ago, I mean, how old is Tom now? Uh, Tom's 24. Okay, so 24 years ago, 20, 22, 23 yeah. years ago. Are you able to... How can I word this correctly? How do you, I was going to ask you how the church perceives ghostly spirits, but that's, mm. that's too, um, uh, that's too general, I think, because even though mm. you're in the church and there are millions of people who are, you are still individual human beings who have nuances. Mm. So were you able to, was um, the Jason Bray, before the church able to put a slant on it or did you come at it from from a christian angle well where does it kind of and that and i'm talking you know all that time ago you may feel differently now is that a reasonable question uh, yeah um i'm fairly skeptical to yeah to be honest i'm um yeah i'm somebody who's questioned everything despite the fact that i'm you know, I'm uh, I'm a priest. I was brought up going to church. I have questioned absolutely everything. You know, sort of as we've gone um, uh, um, as I've gone through, and I've come to the conclusion for myself, um, and other people come to different conclusions. That for myself, that Christianity is the only way of making sense of all the things that I've seen, um, and uh, that other people have experienced. That the church throughout the ages has experienced. So, um, in a sense, I'm sort of you know I'm. You know, yeah, I've questioned the whole thing. So, but it was only because of my own experience of actually sort of living in a house that was absolutely freezing for no apparent reason and dark. Um, you know, as uh, you, know, you know, as it transpired, yeah. um, and then actually somebody coming and saying prayers and inviting God to deal with whatever it was that was affecting the house. That's meant that I've. Yeah, you know, you know, you know that I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to do this. However, how this works through in terms of sort of um, theology, if you like, which is the sort of nuts and bolts of what Christians believe, I've got no idea. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know, sort of what on earth was going on 
in terms of sort of Christian belief with this sort of thing, um, well, you could say, yep, you know, uh, God, Christ is more powerful than anything else that's, um, that's out there. However, you know, that doesn't deal with the ghost stuff. Yeah. And you probably also find that I would say that the Catholic Church, the Catholic end of it is more inclined, but maybe that's just a cultural thing. I mean, you have Argentine roots, which are a little bit more supernaturally inclined, should we say, than English roots. You'd be surprised. Yeah, um, my my um, my family were um, Anglo-Argentine. So, um, yes, yeah, and I describe my grandmother as being a, a sort of fierce Argentine lady, and she was, actually. She, she was staunchly Argentine, terribly Argentine. Uh, but her parents had both been... Uh, her parents were of Irish uh, Irish extraction. They they'd gone out from Ireland and from Scotland as um, uh, as toddlers. So she was as Argentine as you come, um, but she was yeah you know sort of still very much to a sort of uh, um, Celtic stock. Yeah. Actually, it's a bit like the Pope. Actually, if you think about the Pope, you know he's he's Argentine, uh, but his parents were Italian, so uh, so she was as Argentine as the Pope is. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So yeah, so um, as you move along from there, you what are we twenty four years ago is nineteen. Uh, what are we talking about? Um, it was ninety. It would have been nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Okay. And your adventures in the ghost trade, as it were, began then. Effectively, yeah, yeah. Just ballparky. I mean, how many, how many cases a year? How many? Is it right? Oh, um, okay. Uh, we do about a dozen a year. So oh, one a month. Um, yeah, except it doesn't work out at one a month. Yeah. You will do four in, um, you know, four in about two weeks, and then there'll be nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, forever. Um, it's a bit like sort of in the lockdown, you know, sort of uh, 2020. Yeah. Um, we did one uh, going into the lockdown. <laughs> An um, amazing and, lack of ghosts in lockdown. Yeah. And, and you, you know, but other parts of the country, um, people were, you know, sort of saying that it was a huge number of, um, you know, sort of ghosts. And um, yeah, you know, you know, sort of lots of people were experiencing all sorts of stuff, you, you know, during that long lockdown. Uh, for for us in this diocese, and we're all based in, um, so this is the diocesan team that I head up, uh, there were none. Uh, and then when we came out of lockdown, a whole load of things, um, you know, sort of came along. So 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 we, again, we, we hit 12. Um, we do pretty much every year, but that was mainly because the, the autumn was really busy. As people came out of lockdown, a whole load of things just sort of seemed to manifest themselves. Um, but other people were saying actually during the long lockdown when people were people were at home, um, they were experiencing all sorts of things, but we didn't. Quite still, it's it's just a bit odd. <laughs> that's still a fair, I mean, t- 24 times 12 is um, something like 300 cases across... Yeah, I've probably not done that many. It took me a while to sort of get yeah. into get into the swing of it. But um oh gosh. So I've been here seven years and uh yeah, okay. So that's about sort of fifteen years, uh fifteen years worth of sort of actually uh being the main person to you know, the get called actually these things. Yeah. Is it um, so that's still quite a few, isn't it? Yeah. A, f- a few general questions then. Is is your mm. is it a regional thing? 
do you, do, you, do you like handle North yeah. Wales and then someone else does Mid Wales and so on? Yeah, uh, sort of. Um, the church, um, the Anglican Church, uh, Church of England, Church in Wales, um, yeah, and you know, sort of all Anglican uh, churches are, are organised by what we call dioceses. So dioceses. So each diocese has a bishop. And um, in uh, England and Wales, less so in Scotland, but each diocese has its own team. So um, has its own deliverance team. So there will be, uh, depending on the size of the diocese, you know, the London diocese will have loads. We've got six deliverance ministers in the diocese of St. Asaph. So St. Asaph covers basically... That's an awful lot. Northeast Wales. Yeah. And um, so um, we've got. Um, Is that kind of to spread yeah. the, the pressure, maybe just so, so that it's less for each individual? Yeah, effectively. And um, also, you know, uh, people ex- uh, people express an interest and we're, we're, we're to some extent always looking uh, for somebody else to do it. We try to go out on cases together. So we we would usually try to take two people. Um, one of the um, one of the members of the team has got a medical background, so that's so that's really helpful. Um, and um, we've got the the newest member of the team is a very experienced deliverance minister from a different diocese. He's just happened to move to um, move into our area, and it made a huge amount of sense to you know invite him to be part of the team. Um, but. Um, it's quite a big geographical area, so it covers everywhere from Llandidno on the north northwest coast, as far as the edge of Chester, and all the way down to Newtown. Um, so it can be, you know, if, if you're in, oh gosh, I don't know, Llandidno itself, and having to get to Newtown, it's an awfully long way. It's sure. better than getting, yeah. getting from Wrexham, so it's a, you know an hour and a quarter from Wrexham, but from from Llandidno, it'd be a complete nightmare. Yeah. So um, yeah. Okay, so and at some point in this journey, you you did write a book. I wrote a book. Yeah, that's right. Do you uh, want to tell you about the book? Yes, please. Um, okay, and, right. And, and why? Although, <laughs> for me to okay. ask why you wrote a book is ridiculous because I've written loads of books for no reason. Yeah, because you right. just okay. feel like you have to. Right. Yeah, I didn't want to write the book. Okay. Oh. So um, I've been doing this for, you know, sort of obviously quite some time. A friend of mine asked me to come and talk about uh, sort of changes in legislation, really, because we're, we're covered by insurance. And um, so it was a sort of um, sort of seminar for uh, both people who are interested in the legal aspects of these sorts of things, human rights legislation, actually, and the whole thing, thing starts to... You know, um, we we haven't talked about exorcism, but uh, the human rights legislation with that is is a is a complete nightmare. We can get onto that um, in a while if you like. But um, so I was asked to you know give a talk, basically sort of saying actually these are the this is what we do and these are the parameters in which we work. And um, so you know there was sort of people were able to ask questions for a few minutes afterwards. Somebody put their hand up at the back and said, uh, uh, "I'm a pagan." And uh, do you have any experience of working with, um, gosh, um, you know, sort of interfaith um, cases? Yeah. So I sort of scratched my head and I said, yeah, actually, you know, there was once a sort of Muslim family that I was called in, social services got me in. And um, so I went to 
um, you know, went around to the house and it wasn't, you know, they, they reckon they'd seen a Christian ghost. So the local imam wasn't particularly interested because he said it's, 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 it's a Christian monk. It's a ghost of a Christian monk. Christian ghost, you need a Christian minister to sort it out. So uh, he got hold of uh, the bishop uh, and the bishop sort of sent it on to me and said, actually, this is one for you. So I went there. Um, there was no ghost, basically. Uh, it was what we call poltergeist activity. So there was stuff going on. Um, but poltergeist activity is caused by somebody alive and present when it's happening. So if something kicks off, it's, it, you know, it's actually caused by somebody who is present rather than some, rather than a spirit, um, of some description. And, um, the issue in this case was that the father of the house had died of cancer and towards the end of his life, um, he was from uh, Pakistan, I think. And towards the end of his life, um, he was really struggling and a uh, house full of rowdy teenagers. And, um, you know, his slippers shot across the room and his cereal bowl hit the wall. And what they were worried about was that this would continue to happen now that he was dead. If this was, you know, if this was happening when he was alive, now that he was dead, you know, yeah. it, you know, it was going to get worse. Um, and so basically the conversation I had was, you know, has, you know, has it got worse? And the answer was no, it stopped when he died. Um, and, you know, I sort of asked about the, um, the, the ghost of the monk at the bottom of the street and um, the son who reckoned he'd seen the ghost, whatever, um, basically couldn't be certain of what he'd seen at all, um, you know, it was uh, it was in December. Could have been missed. Could have been the local drug dealer with a hood up. Who knows what he saw? Um, but there was no, you know, there was no ghost in particular. In that case, I basically, you know, sort of said some prayers, blessed the house, and left them to it. And that was the last I heard. So that story um, was, um, you know, then reported to the uh, to the Sunday Times by somebody who was present. So you can get this sort of, you know... Um, thanks very much. Know, so thanks very much, except that it was much more exciting when they told it. So so there was sort of, uh, um, you know, there, there was sex involved and a whole load of other things. What on earth? You know, you know, the story we got is that you refused to perform an exorcism because you were worried that uh, she might be ritually sexually abused. What? Where on earth did you get that from? So, uh, you know, well, what, what is yeah. your story? This is what we're going to publish about you. Um, brilliant technique. Um, and so um, so I sort of basically said, well, actually, this is what happened. And then I realised that I'd given a full, uh, full frank interview um, and then panicked slightly, like you do. You kind of um, expect more and, from the Sunday Times, though. Yeah, maybe yeah. you do. Anyway, but, um, but he said, look, you know, um, it'll be fine, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Theresa May's government was falling apart at the time. Again, if you, you can remember those those glorious days. You know, every you know you know one one week one crisis. So uh, you know Brexit was not not being done. And and he said nobody would be interested in your in your you know in your thing. They're much more interested in the government falling apart. And um, you know I, I'd spoken to the bishop in you know as well, and he said you know um, you know this sort of thing happens. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be fine. So it was. It was page three of the Sunday Times, and the following day it was in the Mail and the Sun and the Mirror, 
and the star apparently you know this sort of I, i've actually been in the daily star and um a whole load pretty much every news outlet that you can imagine the uh, other than the guardian uh, which of course meant that the clergy never read it because it wasn't in the guardian and most clergy read the guardian for some reason <laughs> so um and you know and, and it, it was so oh, gosh um so I was just sort of really embarrassed on it. And, um, you know, that, that Monday morning, the phone kept ringing and there were sort of people, um, you know, this is the uh, BBC Asian service. Can we talk to you about this? And, well, actually, there's not really very much of a story. And somebody wanted me to um, comment on the existence or non-existence of the Loch Ness Monster. Great, thank you. And, uh, and then in amongst all these things, some guy rang up and said, uh, I'm a literary agent from London. Would you like to write a book? Uh, and the answer was no, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't want to write a book. And so um, he uh, basically talked me into it. Uh, and I said, "Well, I don't want my name, I, you know, in the public domain." He said, "Look, you're on page three of the um, uh, uh, Sunday Times, and you know, if you've had a look at the Daily Mail this morning, you discover you're on page one. Uh, you know, actually, your name is out there. You might as well write the book." So again, spoke to the bishop, and the bishop said, "Well, he said, you know, you know, as long as I got a cut cut of the royalties, I don't mind." So I wrote the book, and um, that's that's where we are with it. Really, it's just come out in paperback, so. Um, um, yeah, so huge amount of publicity from from the publishers when when it came out in Harvard this time last year, and um, so there was a sort of massive uptick in the number of cases that were coming to me. Uh, it's now out in paperback, and um, yeah, it's you know been out there a week, and um, I've had loads of people email me already. Sort of loads, about half a dozen people email me. You know, are you you know <laughs> sorry? For actual. Deliverance work or just yeah yeah so you know you know sort of you know you know I'm, I'm experiencing this can you help me and and the answer is no probably because unless you live in my patch unless you live in my diocese I can't help you I would actually lose probably lose my job um, if I went around the country doing doing this sort of work um, and um, so I then put them in touch with their, their local team and that seems to work for them. So, within the confines of, of, of that book and your whole experience, how, how simple, I guess most cases are simple, where you go in with your holy water and your doctor's bag, yeah? I hope you've yeah. got a doctor, you must have a doctor's bag. That's totally uh, I've yeah, yeah, I have. I haven't got it with me, sadly. It's okay. Um, so long as you've got yeah. one, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I've got one. Um, I, I guess it's on the back cover of the hardback. Sorry, <laughs> I guess most cases are simple holy water prayers. Yeah, but yeah. so uh, how yeah. difficult has it got for you? Have you really been challenged in this area? A real head scratcher. Yeah, um, it can be. <sighs> right. Yeah, there are a couple of things that um, can be difficult. So this whole idea of, um, as I said, poltergeist activity being caused by somebody alive and present, because people just don't want to sort of, um, it's just easier blaming a ghost. So I've had one where um, I describe describe this in the book, where there's, um, yeah, the other, the, you know, there were two cousins living in the house and there were a whole load of poltergeist activity. And basically I 
you know, sort of went in and blessed the house, um, you know, and um, and then sort of tried to talk to them um, about, you know, you know, the whole thing, how it worked, and it didn't. So I had to go back again and say, actually, you know, we, you know, we, we need to have a conversation about uh, the, um, you know, about sort of how this is working. So I've got a little handout that said my poltergeist, how to live with it, and um, you know, sort of trying to identify. I was trying to identify for myself which of these um, two cousins. One of them was the uh, daughter of the house, and the other one was, um, you know, her, her, her cousin who was basically living with them um, on a uh, on a long term basis. And uh, it was interesting. It, it, it appeared to be the daughter rather than the cousin that was, you know, um, causing whatever all these things to happen around her. Nothing particularly major. Nothing, you know, sort of, um, you know, there were no heads spinning or anything like that. It was sort of corks flying across the room and sort of coke bottles and whatever, and uh, <coughs> electricity turning you know, the TV turning itself on and off. Um, but it would happen when she was at her grandmother's house as well as at home when she was on you know, basically, you know, um, uh, away from that. And uh, that, so so that seemed to be uh, caused by her, effectively. <coughs> so I tried to have this conversation with them. And um, I went around with the local vicar um, on both occasions. And, you know, I'd just gotten to the stage where I said, OK, right, the way to deal with this is it, it's, it's like tension that builds in the house. And it's a bit like... Um, static electricity. Static electricity builds up, something goes, you know, there's a flash of lightning, bang, and um, and then that seems to be how this works as well. That the tension builds and then something, um, you know, sort of bottle or usually shoes for some reason, no, no idea why, but, you know, a shoe will move across the room like the Muslim guy with the um, uh, with the slipper that hits the, you know, hits the wall. Uh, uh, and then, and you know, and that's basically it. Um, so it is an energy that you know, sort of, basically comes from comes from you. And the best way to deal with it is a bit like the thing from Harry Harry Potter, uh, where you where you laugh at it. So actually, laughing breaks tension, and this is great. And uh, you know, you know, and and so the, the, these were happy, smiling people. Yeah. So I walked out, and then uh, the vicar, um, bless him, said in a, you know, in a, in a helpful voice because it was a helpful sort of guy or it may be a ghost anyway and it just sort of you know the whole whole edifice came crashing down around me and I thought oh great so um you know basically it's, it was easier saying yeah this was a ghost so um you know said vicar came out to me about six months later and said you know that couple that you failed to, you know, with that poltergeist that they were, you know, you know that they got. Well, they had to move eventually. Uh, right, fine, yeah, whatever. You know, but I, you know, I did my best. You ruined it. There you go. <laughs> Quite frankly, and um, so, but you know, but they were not going to uh, effectively accept the fact that it was them. Uh, and I've had sort of people, you know, sort of since then as well saying, I don't like the idea that this is me doing this. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's quite, that's quite a huge thing to wrap your head around anyway, is the, is the, yeah, it is. And is the poltergeist to the shoe thing. They, that That's just as weird as the ghost thing. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it is surprisingly common. 
Uh, so a lot of people, uh, particularly, it's, it's associated with teenagers in particular. So um, lots of teenagers go through teenage angst, and it's almost like that feeling of not being able to express yourself. Um, classic incident, absolute classic instance I, I experienced was uh, going to a house where there was a um, his mother and his son. Uh, he was sixth form college, so would have been seventeen, you know, you know, sort of um, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, she was a single mother. She was on his case absolutely all the time. Uh, you know, he he couldn't do anything right. And um, so um, I, I, I got called around. The local Roman Catholic priest had been around a couple of times. He was, um, he told them that it was, um, you know, sort of did, you know, sort of what's, you know, what's going on. Anybody done a Ouija board? So she asked around and her brother had some stage played with the Ouija board. And um, so Catholic priest was convinced that this is what was going on, that they somehow her brother had loosed a spirit that he brought with him from the Ouija board into the house. Okay, so I'm, yeah, not, not convinced the Ouija boards work in that way. It's a parlor game, and if you blind people, apparently it doesn't work at all. However, because of the Exorcist films, it, it, it's it, Exorcist film, it's become a sort of symbol of the paranormal. Anyway, don't get me on that. But um, No, so we can get on to that. Quite, That's good stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, but quite clearly... Um, you know, you, you sort of walked in, you know, walked in the house, you could almost feel the tension. Uh, and um, she, she'd called, you know, the Catholic priest uh, had been around several times and she wasn't getting any of him. And her vase broke. So that she, she was giving, giving us some hell. He was standing at the top of the stairs, taking it, presumably. Her vase, the most precious thing she got, um, which was an heirloom from her mother, <coughs> exploded into a, you know, thousand pieces or whatever behind her. And she freaked and, um, you know, sort of called. I'm not entirely sure who she was trying to get hold of, but she got hold of me. And I said, it's all right, I'll come around and uh, try, try and sort it out. And quite quite clearly, that was him doing that. Um, you know, that, that tension had just built and built and built and built. Uh, and then it sort of almost earthed itself on the physical object behind her. Um, so it wasn't, you know, you know, there wasn't an external spirit. It wasn't something, something that had been brought in by a Ouija board. It wasn't um, a sort of, you know, anything other than the tension that was building in between them. Um, it's an interesting way to go because there's absolutely no, so far as I know, no scientific research behind, uh, in, you know, from, from the science angle, the ghost thing yeah. is easier. Because yeah, and it's it, you know, you know, it, you know, it is a really strange thing. Um, but um, as I said, you know, I, I, people have described it repeatedly. Occasionally, people will show me uh, footage of something that's happened. So there was one where you know, you know, they sort of look, you know, you know, my necklace is moving. Yeah, I can see, I can see it's moving. Um, you know, I, I actually, I've got five minutes of this. Okay, yeah, I, I don't really want to watch five minutes of your necklace moving. Let's find out why it's moving, rather than, um, you know, you know, the, yeah, I, yeah, I perfectly believe the fact that this is happening because loads and loads of people have told me independently stories about uh, effectively this sort of thing happening. Um, shoes, as I said, classic, 
It's always shoes. There's always shoes lying around. They're not very heavy, right? Always shoes lying around. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're you know, you know, you know, yeah, a bit silly. If, you know, it's, you know, it's almost like sitting out of bed and and broomsticks where the shoes start moving on their own. <laughs> I mean, you have to get a book off the shelf before you can move it. Yeah. Whereas the most shoes are... Yeah, yeah, your shoes are just lying there. And, you know, you know that does seem to be a sort of um, thing that happens. As I said, surprisingly common. Um, sometimes it can be, you know, uh, because a row has happened in the house. Sometimes it can be people who are going through some sort of unexpressed um, trauma. It can sometimes be associated with people who are, um, gosh, the beginnings of Alzheimer's or something like that. That's another thing that... Um, where people begin to experience this sort of slightly weird energies happening around them. Um, so very common in nursing homes. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so most people who live in nursing homes will have, sorry, who, who work in nursing homes or, um, you know, residential homes will have some, some sort of story about um, this sort of thing happening. But with regards to me calling you and people like you an exorcist as such mm. demonic possession doesn't seem to be a thing in the world it's a, a very hollywood thing and it's a great book and you know all and i'm yeah. i'm all in but i had a look oh. and researched and i'm not finding many actual cases as such yeah, and yeah. Um, so for us, we maybe we've demons learned... have better things to do. Well, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. So, so for for us, it's a sort of almost like a theoretical possibility. We learn about these things. So you, you get sent on training courses. Um, one of the things that I did um, as part of my initial training, for, you know, to be a priest, was to spend quite a lot of time in a psychiatric hospital you know, sort of working on the ward um, there and also in a special needs school and sort of working through some of these, um, you know, you know, some of these issues. But I know what to look out for, um, you know, in terms of sort of mental health issues and um, psychosis and to some extent, psychi uh, sorry, sorry, psychology as well. So you might say that, um, oh gosh, sometimes poltergeist activity is um, extreme psychology. You know, basically, people spook themselves out um, sometimes. That you know, that that can work too. Um, with uh, yeah, so possession seems to be we. You know, we 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 learn that there are three classic things that you're looking for. Um, so somebody is genuinely possessed, and presumably that those, this is based on some sort of you know sort of experience. They will um, know things that they shouldn't know. So they will often know things about you. So, um, you know, sort of um, things about your past, your sordid past, things that you don't particularly want people to know. So that's one thing you're looking for or not looking for, in this case, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, the other thing is, um, the, the, the other two things are preternatural strength. So if somebody can basically throw a, you know, board, you know, dining room table at you. Yeah, that, that might be a sign as well. And uh, the third thing is um, ability to speak foreign languages that they haven't studied. So often slightly weird things like, um, you know, sort of um, dialectic Arabic or Latin or whatever. And uh, if you've got a little old lady 
who, um, you know, you walk in and she tells you, um, you know, sort of whose bed you slept in last night by mistake. Um, you know, she then throws the table at you, you know, sort of shouting at you the, the, you know, the top of her voice in street Latin. Um, you know, actually, yeah, maybe she's possessed. Uh, however, other than that... Not much um, maybe you know, about it in that instance, not, I don't think. Not, not much maybe about it, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. At that point, you you know, you do start reaching for your for your holy water. Technically, we're supposed to contact the bishop first, um, get, yeah. get permission to do this. But uh, and the chances are, that if somebody's ex- uh, exhibiting those symptoms, they will be in psychiatric hospital. Yeah. So um, you know, because the, the chances are, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be out in the real world for very long if you if this sort of thing is happening around you. But but do so, those things actually happen? Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. So, you know, when I was writing the book, the, my, my editor was saying, you know, I want a specific case of this happening. And um, the best I could come up with was a, um, a case that, you know, um, the, one of the training uh, people had told me about, about him sort of going into... Um, a hospital once with the hospital chaplain. Um, I think it was the hospital chaplain. You know, the details are a little bit hazy at this stage. I haven't looked it up recently. Um, But basically they walked in and um, um, they were called in because the the psychiatrists didn't know what to make of all this that was going on. And, um, you know, the, uh, the chaplain had led a sort of slightly dissolute past and, um, and this sort of, um, the patient came out with some stuff. And um, then there was sort of three voices, effectively, that sort of there was um, lust, greed and death and lust spoke first in a, in a sort of, you know, um, sort of gravelly Cockney accent and then greed went. Uh, and they thought we need to do something about this. So, so they, they, you know, traditionally silence the demon and then you 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 sort of basically um there is a prayer of exorcism um and um, you know you say you say the prayer and um presumably and uh, you know um presumably it works um and in this case um she went into a fit she sort of um blacked out came round and was was fine and um, so the psychiatrists in this case were absolutely convinced that uh, that um, they had expelled a demon. And they walked away and they said, no, nah, she was faking it. <laughs> so, so you know, interestingly, in that case, the, the you know, the, the, the scientists were saying, actually, this was, you know, this was possession. Yeah. Uh, and um, the, uh, you know, the priest was saying, no, nah, we're not convinced. Um, but, you know, there, there, there are so few properly documented cases of this thing, you know, these sorts of things happening. Um, the, the textbook that we use is also called Deliverance, a bit like my book, um, and it's edited by Michael Perry, and he comes up with three um, instances. That's one of them, and there are another two. Um, there was a, a Wiccan practitioner in Cornwall who was speaking classical Arabic, and one of the uh, one of the priests had been a sort of... Um, a, yeah, um, had worked in Egypt during the war, obviously quite a long time ago, and recognised this as a particular Arabic dialect. Um, and so she was exorcised, and there's another case which was sort of even vaguer than that. So it's a theoretical possibility. 
Um, but what we find is that we get huge well, huge numbers of people, quite a few people coming up to us and say, I'm possessed. Um, and it's um, it's really difficult to deal with. Sometimes, um, you know, it, it'll be some, somebody who's just sort of, you know, usually fairly rational, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, has been slightly wound up. So there was somebody once who was experiencing uh, podcast activity, had a row with her boyfriend, podcast activity, and, and she, she rang me up and she said, this, is, this has happened, am I possessed? Uh, and I was able to say, no, no, you know, you know, no, you're not. Don't worry about it. That's fine. She said, you sure? Yeah, that's great. Um, but, you know, I've had people since and, you know, sort of over the years been absolutely convinced that they're possessed. And no amount of no, you're not, um, you know, is going to convince them otherwise. Um, and the chances are that they are suffering from some sort of psychosis um, that... Um, you know, um, effectively, um, you know, there was, um, you know, you know, there's one guy I've dealt with that, you know, you know, sort of, you know, basically, um, you know, actually, you're definitely not possessed, and um, you know, he he was, um, you know, you know, they 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 then play, played with his meds and he was fine, um, but we do get some people, um, you know, I, I hear voices, I'm possessed, uh, and of course, the chances are that if you're hearing voices you are, um, at least on a regular basis, you're, 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 you're suffering from schizophrenia. Um, and, you know, so so somebody comes to me and says, I, I, you know, I'm hearing voices or um, I'm experiencing, you know, sort of these symptoms. Um, oh, really? They wouldn't refer to them as symptoms. They, they would say phenomena. Um, yeah. You know, basically, you know, you know um, are you on any medication? And just occasionally we get the sort of really irritating, oh, no, I'm not on medication because uh, I went online and I had an online consultation with somebody who told me that I wasn't, I wasn't schizophrenic, that I was possessed. <laughs> I and saw think, earlier mm. on, which you, you'll like this, you may not know of it, mm. which was um, there's, there's a website called um, Fiverr, which is, mm. uh, I think it's fiverr.com, and... Basically, if you're a freelance anything, mm -hmm. so let's say I'm a freelance graphic designer, I can put an advert up there. Um, I'll do your graphic, yeah. I'll design your logo, your front cover for your, of your book for, for a fiver. Okay. Um, and when I was doing some uh, sort of very vague research earlier on, I, it, it, it popped up as an advert. And there were, what was it, a grid of three, 12... There were about 22 freelance exorcists, uh, oh. ranging from uh, a fiver to about 27 quid. If you were in, if you were in serious trouble, 20 quid. So, 20 quid. That's um, quite cheap, really. My point, my point was going to be that we we live in the 21st century. We, we've there's a lot mm -hmm. of this. Um, yeah. what, what I like to call "look at me" syndrome that we've all built up because of the internet um yep. you know three four hundred years ago possession ghosts were a very different thing because um, because we weren't as educated on mass as we are now perhaps we are an educated nation really regardless yeah comparatively strange strangely enough um yeah, um, the whole thing is kicked off in 
more recent times. So, um, you know, you know, the whole idea of um, the church actually appointing people like me to look after this sort of thing because there was a call for it is remarkably new. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, it wasn't something that happened, you know, a couple of hundred years ago. It's something that happens now. It seems to be a sort of almost like a sort of, you know, one of the problems of modern, um, you know, sort of modern living. Certainly, the whole obsession with um, demonic possession. Yeah, you know, I, I suspect that a lot of it really does have to do with things like, uh, gosh, you know, you know, the Exorcist. Um, you know, the whole Ouija board stuff. So lots of people come to me and say, you know, actually, I sort of, you know, I used to play with the Ouija board when I was a child, blah, blah, blah. I, I let something through. And before the Exorcist film, um, basically Ouija boards were regarded as an old-fashioned part of the game. And again, you know, as I said, they've done research on people and the whatever planchette, glass, whatever you're yep. using, only moves if you can see it. So if you've got, you know, got Ouija board, blindfold people, you know, and the thing doesn't move because somebody either, whether um, whether it is conscious or unconscious, will move it in some way. and But they will only move it if they can see it. And, you know, the whole idea of the sort of um, it letting something through from the other side um, you know, sort of really is, you know, you know, re really came into, you know, public consciousness and been really heard of before the, um, um, you know, before the Exorcist films. That has a lot to answer for, that movie. Yeah. Yes, it probably does. I've never seen it, to be honest. Um, you should. Uh, I, yeah, just, for, yeah. just for... Yeah, I probably should. It's, um, it's an excellent film. It's an excellent yeah. horror film. Okay, yeah, I, I'm just not into horror films. And it probably, but it probably <laughs> underlies 90, well, a huge 90-odd percent amount of what everyone thinks about possession and exorcists. And the two, the two yeah. priests in the movie are really grounded. That's, I think that's what makes it so great, is that they're not, mm -hmm. they're not strange in any way. It's just one guy with a sick mother and another old guy and they get clearly out of their depth. And it's a really human thing aside from the actual possession. But interestingly, the whole thing starts off in um, uh, some Arabian country. They unleash some demon somewhere in uh, the Middle East. How it ends up in Philadelphia or wherever it is, I have no idea. But, um, the trees, yeah. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good film. It's a good film. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. A um, friend of mine, um, he's, um, she's a German Lutheran pastor. And, um, you know, sort of, you know, I've had endless conversations with her about this sort of thing. And she said, well, the thing about the Exorcist film is that it's the most fantastic advert for the Roman Catholic Church. Pretty much. And it wouldn't surprise me to discover that um, people associate um, this sort of work with Roman Catholics because of the Exorcist films. I think. Because they, you know, and because, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I might have to check this, but I'm pretty sure that the the older priest in the movie is a priest. I'm pretty sure he was a genuine priest that they pulled in, uh, which was probably allowed in the mid-70s. 
Maybe not so much. Well, no, you wouldn't. Well, well, actually, if, you know, you know, you know, if they pay you enough, you you could then sort of retire and go freelance, couldn't you? I guess. Um, <laughs> however, um, yeah, the whole sort of thing of uh, yeah, um, and you know, you know, it is interesting because I've done lots of. Um, you know, sort of lots of work and had lots of conversations with people. And uh, the thing that a lot of people say is we didn't think the church, I, I, the Church of England, the Anglican Church, or Church in Wales, with, you know, um, you know, remarkably similar beast. Um, but you know, you know, we didn't think the uh, the Church of England did this sort of thing. We didn't think it approved of ghosts, um, which which is really interesting. Well, why wouldn't? You know, what, you know, and um, a friend of mine from school got in touch with me the other day and said, you know, I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed your book. It's great that the church is finally taking this seriously. You think, well, it always has. Um, but, you know, actually it just takes, you know, somebody like me, you know, who um, unfortunately ends up on the, you know, page three of the um uh, Sunday Times, and then um, uh, um, some 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 literary agent does a hard sell on me to to actually get some of this story out there. But by but the same token, you you could you could equally find a priest, vicar, uh, bishop who didn't believe in ghosts. I'm sure. Yeah, you're probably good actually. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure you can find lots of lots of priests, vicars, bishops that don't believe in God as well. <laughs> um, so, good point. Sorry. Um, yeah, and, and yet, you know, that's so. Yeah, um, mildly, mildly flippant there, but um, no. But yeah, at some um, point, you know, I guess it it it's, it's a long time to keep up your faith and you're knee deep in your job, right? I I kind of I can see how that might happen. Yeah, and and you, you know, you know, I um, I know priests um, who've basically lost their faith and find themselves you know in a position where they can't do anything else you know I, so so i've been doing you know yeah 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 i've been doing this for uh 24 years so 25 years really um and you know what would i do if i wasn't doing this well i could retrain as a teacher or something like that or i could you know i've got a sort of faint academic background maybe i could sort of go and you know yeah go and teach teach theology or something like that so so um, but you know what would you do? You know if you lost your faith, and you know people, yeah, priests, vicars, bishops do lose their faith, uh, but they just carry on doing what they're doing because they can't do anything else and just count down the count down the years until they claim their pension. And I guess it's a relatively easy thing to keep faking once you've done it for twenty years, if you need to. It probably is. Well, you, yeah. Well, I suppose in a sense you're not really faking. You know, you're just no, going yeah, through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know. You know. So sort of just because you don't believe in something, it's a bit like being an actor, I suppose. Um, you know. You know. You know. Our actors faking it. Well, they're not really faking it. They're just actually doing what it, what is expected of them to do. But it, you know. You know. You know. It is really sad. Um, you know, from my perspective, because my faith is actually very strong to, you know, to see people actually, you know, lose their faith and just sort of get, get into a state where, uh, you know, well, I, I, I just can't do anything else. Does your so faith just, form the, the you, don't, you don't seem phased by anything you've uh, supernaturally come across? 
Not really. Um, I've Have you had your moments. Situ- <laughs> um, I've been in situations where I have felt threatened, um, but that has been mainly because um, I've been alone with somebody who is clearly not really functioning properly and is very agitated. So that can be, you know, that can be actually really, really quite frightening and really quite quite threatening. The spiritual stuff doesn't bother me at all. Um, you know, the whole, um, yeah, you know, you know, you know, the ghost stuff doesn't bother me. Um, uh, you know, I, I, although once I walked into walked into a bedroom and and and, and sort of sort of almost you know again had the impression of somebody um, you know um, uh, uh, somebody sitting actually you know sort of in my bedroom, which was not not terribly pleasant. Um, but um, but you know that sort of thing doesn't faze me, uh, and certainly it doesn't shake my faith. But somebody basically. Um, was a, you know, one stage it was a conspiracy theorist who was um, basically ranting at me about something. Yeah. I just sort of stood there and thought, "I'm on my own with this guy. This is this is actually quite threatening." Uh, and eventually, he stopped and he said, "I feel so much better now. And I was, oh, great, yeah, wonderful." I and I feel way worse. You know, and, and you know, but you know, but but in that case, um, huge amounts of sort of. You know, he, he was expending a huge amount of energy just ranting at me about, um, oh, gosh, um, you know, he was a sort of right-wing conspiracy theorist, so I can't really remember what it was he was getting upset about, but I was sort of standing there think, thinking, I'm on my own with this guy. Uh, you know, how did I manage to get in this situation? Why didn't I bring anyone with me? Um, because I thought it would be fine. And... Um, you know, he's he's just ranting about, um, you know, the Trump or whatever it was that he was ranting about, and um, gosh, you know, that was you know that was quite frightening to me. And I, I, you know, I wasn't surprised that you know his entire wardrobe shook every night. Yeah, do you not go out with? Um, surely, in 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 especially now, you must go out with social workers and um, mental health um, professionals as part of the team. Or have them on hand. Yeah, we, we we've got um, yeah we've got a relationship with them. We 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 wouldn't necessarily take them out. And right. again, it would depend on what sort of thing you know we, we were going out to. Yeah. Most of the stuff that we we, we get called out to is um, uh, you know sort of yeah um, yeah uh, poltergeist activities of sort of people who. Um, you know, just sort of freak themselves out for whatever reason. And, you know, obviously you do some sort of assessment. We do tend to, as I said, you know, go to over such a time. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that particular instance, you know, I, I just happened to find myself on my own with this guy. Um, but that doesn't happen that often. Uh, I think it being stood up by, you know, sort of whoever it was supposed to be coming out with me. Um, so, you know, you know, we do try to protect ourselves and, uh, but we don't routinely go out with other, other professionals because, um, you know, yeah, um, a lot of the time they probably wouldn't be terribly interested because they, they don't necessarily believe any of this stuff exists. Um, if somebody's, uh, mentally ill, you know, that's, um, you know, they, they, they really ought to be taking their meds. One of the things that, um... It's not, it doesn't shock me. That's the wrong word. One of the things that 
that really does quite amaze me from talking to you is how accepting you are of poltergeist activity when mm. if you well people make whole like four or five seasons on tv in america out of poltergeist things that that seem to not exist and so far as i'm concerned as a as a an enthusiastic lover of the supernatural mm. poltergeists have always been pretty high on the list of 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 how rough it could get rather than a simple haunting a simple haunting might be a, a, a good story i've seen a go mm-hmm. but a poltergeist is a, is a few steps up from that but you seem very very accepting yeah, of it, okay. like it's almost normal <laughs> Yeah, because we, you know, that, you know, you know, and that's what we deal with most of the time. Um, you know, you know, occasionally. It's fascinating you for, Yeah, um, you know, you just get, um, oh gosh, you know, you know, we have a sort of group supervision session, you just go, oh, boring poltergeist, you know, it was sort of, um, you know, you know, there was nothing there, and we, we sort of, you know, we got dragged out, and yeah, and uh, you know, just sort of, um, you know, yeah, um, you know, you. You know what he did to calm down, uh, and a lot of the time it's just people people winding themselves up. You know, sort of, you know, had a row with my boss, and now my shoes are going across the room on their own. Um, okay, fine. You know, great. You know, um, you know, sort of, you know, what do you do to relax? <laughs> so um, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, but poltergeist activity can um, it can also be associated with with hauntings, if you like. Um, and uh, I think that's probably a reaction to that energy. So people get frightened by haunt, frightened by hauntings, and then yeah, actually, you know, sort of something might happen around that. So one of the things we try to do is to sort of work out whether it's just a normal boring poltergeist or whether there is something else going on. Uh, and sometimes there might be. Um, so you then deal with 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 the with the other thing. So the case with the with the jealous cousins, um, you know, I, I I wasn't totally sure that it was just a boring poltergeist. Uh, sorry, poltergeist activity. Poltergeist doesn't exist as a you know as an entity in its own right. Uh, and um, because they, they they were reporting a load of you know cold spots and goodness knows what in the house. Uh, and um, the fact they got a little Yorkshire Terrier that trotted around the house with me told me most of what I needed to know because dogs are quite good at picking this sort of stuff, stuff up. So if the dog was, yeah. So if the dog was trotting him down the house, there was nothing there. You know, oh, yeah. it's a cold spot. Now, actually, it's probably because you know that's the um, you know you've got a skylight immediately above it. Um, so um, you know, and you know, yeah, and and. Because poltergeist activity is, um, to, to some extent, as I said, caused by extreme psychological um, sort of trauma, really, or you know, you know, distress. Um, sometimes all it takes is you going in and saying, "Right, I've blessed the house; it's fine," and then it just, you know, it just goes on its own. Okay, there is nothing here to worry about. And sometimes, you know, yeah, that's you know, that's all it takes. Then something you, you you have to go back and say, okay, right, that's you know, sort of what is it that's causing this problem? 
and you have to have the poltergeist conversation is basically sort of saying to them, actually, you, sorry. Uh, and um, sometimes people accept that, and other times people just sort of say, oh, I don't like to believe it's me, it must be something else. Are you sure it's not Auntie Brenda come back to, you know, because she was, yeah, whatever. And, um, uh, and that's when it starts to, you know, it doesn't kick off, it just gets, gets to the stage where you think, actually, uh, yeah, there, there must be a way of breaking this cycle. There's nothing super scary to see here, is there? So far as you're concerned, there isn't. Um, you know, occasionally people see ghosts. Um, yeah, um, and um, you know, there was a sort of really, really interesting case of um, yeah, a, a friend of mine who. Yeah, um, you know, he the, 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 there was the guy that um, you know the people used to see standing at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, you know, so so standing at the foot of the bed. Yeah, you know, you know that was quite interesting. Uh, another friend of mine um, saw the person who lived in the house before her. Um, so sort of playing the organ and uh, sounds sounds corny. You know, they could hear Yamaha. So they could hear organ music, and it was sort of really good quality Yamaha. You know, sort of electronic organ music. Uh, and assumed it was coming from next door. Uh, I spoke to the next door neighbours when the next door neighbours were moving out and said, you know, actually, you know, you're taking your organ with you. Oh, what organ? Um, well, you know, we could hear organ music. We assumed it was you. Oh, it was a uh, yeah. No, no, it's not us. But strange enough, it was the 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 old lady who used to live in your house. Um, you know, she she she. Yeah, you know, in the dim and distant past, had been the the theatre organist down in the cinema in town. Um, and uh, yeah, so okay, you know, what's what's going on here? And then my friend Lucy saw an old lady coming down the stairs wearing a nighty, because it was a pink nylon nighty. <laughs> so sort of, uh, you know, sort of coming down the stairs towards her and, uh, and she, she screamed and, you know, the, the, you know, you know the, the, the old lady disappeared before she... And I said, are you sure you're not making it up? She's like, if I was making it up, she wouldn't have been wearing a pink nylon nighty, would she? You know, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. So, you know, in that case, we, you know, um, sort of bless the house and the house was fine. Um, but that was sort of, but, you know, um, you know, effectively that was, you know, a sort of proper haunting, if you like. Um, Again, uh, a, a third-hand story rather than you telling it to me, which is how... Sorry? Uh, it, it, but again, it's a third-hand story, maybe even a fourth-hand story, if you include the neighbours. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, in a sense, you know, you know, my own experience has been, you know, you know yeah, exceedingly limited. Um, I do, um, and I've noticed this more recently, um, because I actually noticed it on one occasion, I thought, actually, this is, this is a bit strange, that um, if... Um, I was um, asked to bless the house somewhere, and um, so the you know the idea was that, um, somebody had been seen on the stairs, and it was always consistently on the stairs. And the um, daughter of the lady who owned the house, um, as a toddler, had sat on the stairs and talked to this person. And you know, you know, eventually it was becoming problematic. Would you know? Would I go and sort it out? And as I walked along uh, the upstairs corridor. Sort of, um, sort of, sort of walked along beforehand, and could feel 
the fact that I couldn't breathe as I was walking, uh, walking down the, you know, the corridor, walking down the passage, whatever. And um, so just this sort of tightness of breath. Two paces on, it was fine. I said, it was really strange. So then did it again, and yet the same thing happened. Um, so again, you know, sort of ritual blessing the house in that case. Um, so, um, yeah, um, you know, and um, so, the, you know, splash holy water around, said some prayers, and then sort of, you know, could then sort of walk along and thought, actually, there is now no tightness of breath at this point. Uh, and she said, yeah, God, you, know, you know, I don't know what you've done. It's so much nicer here. Um, and that's something that I've noticed in myself, that it's almost like I can feel that sort of tightness of breath slightly as if I can't breathe properly when I'm sort of walking through one of these things. Sometimes it can be like walking through a wall. Um, like, you know, you know, there is actually something that you are walking through, that there is some sort of resistance if you're concentrating on what you're doing um and you know that's a bit strange and then you know but saying prayers and as i said you know sort of holy water and actually inviting god to deal with it which is basically what priests always do you know, with, you know we, we don't have any power of our own we just invite you know you know sort of invite god to deal with it um you know in a polite way um and yeah so you know that that, that tightness of breath goes and people say actually this is so much nicer um, you know, you know, we, we now feel comfortable walking along this corridor or in this house or whatever it is, and it's lighter and it's almost like um, magic. Just, almost like magic, yeah. <laughs> Listen, thanks for doing um, you know, No, I won't keep okay. you. you know, but but it's not um and incidentally, uh we don't charge <laughs> just before anyone <laughs> well, so sort of how much we charge. Yeah, no, no, actually, you know, yeah, it is specifically something that we, we don't charge for. Um, so I'm not, know, sure how you, I'm not sure how you'd price it, to be honest. Right, yeah, well, you know, uh, yes, full haunting, 25 quid, you yeah. know, just sort of place memory, which is one of those um, sort of um, sort of weird things where, you know, the fox hunt comes through, the, the you know, the wall, 20 quid, you know, sort of boring poltergeist. Sorry? Seems like a bit of a low rate to me for... Well, well, actually, boring poltergeist would be 50 quid because, you know, as far as we're concerned, it's pretty much a waste of time, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, Be you, you know... You, yeah. Being as you brought it up first, Loch Ness Monster... Yeah. Just not going to happen for you. It's not going to happen, no. Um, you know, yeah... You know, been to Loch Ness. I've stood there and looked at the, you know, the lake, and it's wonderful, isn't it? The, yeah, uh, you know, you know, but the the water is so dense. You know, it's so you're basically, black, isn't you it? Sit, yeah, yeah. You can sit your hand in it. You can basically lose your hand, and it's cold and it's black. It's gosh. So if there's anything living there, well, you know, you know, they basically scan the whole thing. But if there is anything living there, well, yeah. Good luck um, why, why the hell doesn't it move somewhere else? Yeah, the med. You know? <laughs> the med, yeah. Much warmer. Yeah, be able to see in front of you. So anyway, but that you know, you know, that was one that I basically ignored. That's a real shame. <laughs> one day I'll find somebody. I'll find somebody. No, thank you for this. It's been very um enlightening.
is a good word. No, it's um, you know, thanks for you know, thanks for asking me to do it, Sean. And uh, yeah, um, it's fascinating. Yeah, uh, it is when you when you come from. I've interviewed ghost hunters, which which is a completely different angle. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm coming to the the conclusion. I'm getting a bit um, X Files about it all. With I want to believe, but the more people yeah. I talk to, the worse it gets for me as a believer. Okay, if that makes sense. Um, but, I'm holding, but I'm hanging on in there. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Okay, thank you, Sean. Thanks for your time this evening. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. See you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.